Blog Talk Radio. by the Lucky Mojo Stereo Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art of FolkConjure.com, located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our special co-host, Conjureman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and JD of Hoodoo House Detroit in Michigan. This week, we welcome our special guest, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in Western North Carolina, bringing us today's tutorial on Chasing Away Negative Spirits. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjuran and JD. Conjuran? Thank you for that lovely introduction. Hello, hello. Welcome all. Glad you could join us on this fine and very hot Sunday afternoon. I hope everyone is doing well and staying cool. Uh, It is sweltering where I'm at. I'm actually hiding away in a very cool, in my cool house with the AC on, looking out my window at all the people frolicking in the sun, thinking, fools, get out of the sun. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a wild ride, this heat wave, and I have this sneaking suspicion that uh, August is going to get worse. I think from anyone who knows Southern California weather, June and July are hot, but it's really August and September for some reason that you can really feel that heat. So I'm not looking forward to the next month. I honestly can't even believe that we're at the end of July already, that we're already headed to August. So it, the summer has gone by beyond faster than I can, I can imagine. Uh, I do have a couple updates uh, the, on my end uh, before we check in with our wonderful guest co-host. As you can tell, Miss Pat is not here this week. She's away, and we wish her lots of fun and uh, looking forward to her return next week. On my end, I've been doing a lot of, of client work and work to love, and I mentioned, I think last week or the week before, that I'd been working with a client who had not had a date in a long time, and we just got this person a date this little first time in almost a couple, in a couple years, actually, um, and I was waiting to hear if the date went really well or didn't, and it did turn out very, very well. I'm happy to report that. We'll see what the next steps are from there. They're still chatting it up, so no one's ghosted anyone yet, and that is always a good sign in the modern age of dating, if you can avoid getting... Uh-oh, did we lose Conjure Man? It would seem as such. 
Well, to talk about what's been going on on my side of time, time is um, similar to what Condraman's uh, talking about, and I mentioned this on um, Mystic and Mages the other day when I was a guest, is that I've had a real big uptick in uh, clients coming for love work, and I almost want to blame uh, Venus Retrograde for that. Um, so it's been reading after reading. It's all about love, setting love candles, reconciliation candles, trying to help lovers uh, work through their problems. So um, I wonder anyone else is experiencing that too, uh, especially with Venus retrograding. That'll go up to about September, I think, 7th. So keep that in mind as well. If you are dating someone and having some lover splat, that uh, Venus is retrograde. So um, don't take it personal. Uh, What have you been up to, Reverend? Art. I was just sitting here thinking to myself about how much hell all of these retrogrades seem to be playing on everybody this year. It's been, I mean, between Mercury and Venus and everything, it's just kind of like been off the rails in 2023. But, you know, a lot kind of going on at folkconjure.com and Folk Faith Ministries. We've really been putting a lot of work in on the back end, um, trying to uh, revamp our servers. We've had nothing but server issues recently and finally jumped ship and decided to move everything over. All I can say is thanks to God that Reverend James is techie and able to understand exactly what's going on with it all and moving it over. But um, a lot of stuff been going on from that aspect and, you know, I, I saw a few shout-outs that folks have missed me in the chat on these Sunday evenings. I've missed everybody as well. Um, still around on Monday nights with Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places. Uh, so definitely, you can catch me there. But it's nice to be back. Can you hear me now? I'm back. Yes, Yay. welcome back. Oh, wonderful. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I could hear you all. Felt like a ghost for a period, uh, a few seconds. So uh, maybe this is a, a very fitting topic. Um, I'm very excited that we have a really cool discussion uh, for for this afternoon. Uh, I'm very uh, happy that JD is joining us as a, a uh, guest co-host. Did we get a chance to hear from JD while I was away, or, or did we skip right over him? I couldn't hear anyone when I was calling back. Oh no, JD yeah, in. <laughs> okay, good. And we've gotten to, to Reverend R. Excellent. You all managed to, to to carry on without me. Maybe I'm not even needed here. Uh, like an evil spirit, we are I was driven away. <laughs> evil spirit, I was driven off the phone for whatever reason. And that happens to be our topic today. How's that for a transition, guys? Um, we are talking about driving away spirits and dealing with them. Uh, I'm going to start this conversation off, and then we're going to open up the floor. Um, dealing with spirits can be tricky. And on this show, we've talked about how to cultivate a relationship with spirits, whether it's ancestors, allies, uh, angels, spirits of the dead. But sometimes you encounter an entity, a force, uh, that is simply difficult. This can be in your own private practice. 
It can be in a physical location, like when you're moving into a new house, or it can be in client work. Let's say you come across a person uh, who is a client of yours that's struggling. Maybe they have a spirit attached to them. So there's a variety of different reasons for why you will need to remove the spirit or drive it away. It can be uh, because they're troublesome in your own practice. It can be a trickster spirit. You can need to remove them from a location, a house, a place, an object, uh, even even natural environments, or you can remove them from a person. And there are a variety of different techniques uh, that can be used in order to drive away spirits and deal with it. And there's a, the increase in sort of or they escalate in 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 their approach. There are some mild ones like rebuking the spirit, simply saying, "Hey, go away," can sometimes work. To full-on exorcism rites. In fact. Uh, as you might know, those those of you who are newcomers may not, uh, my practice as a formal practitioner started as an exorcist in the Middle Eastern tradition, dealing with removing evil spirits, specifically jinn and shaitan devils. Um, uh, and that's where I actually earned a reputation in the Middle East, first and foremost, before I, I really uh, started to do work here in the United States for clients. So I have quite a experience in this regard, and I can tell you that there's a variety of different approaches found across global cultures, but they all address evil spirits as troublesome, meddlesome, unclean, and needing to be removed. So with that little bit of an introduction, let's have a, a conversation about first what is what are evil spirits, what are the reasons to remove them, and the various methods in order to drive them. Um, so let's 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 have this conversation. What does an evil spirit mean to you all? And when do you determine this spirit needs to be removed? At least for me, uh, when I think of evil spirits, it it can be things that distract me from my purpose. It can be mm-hmm. things that just you know suddenly I'm I'm, I'm getting low amounts of luck. You know, my luck's not really that great. Something's blocking my luck. Sometimes that can be a spirit. Or, you know, there have been very few instances where, you know, there are meddlesome spirits where, you know, they they move Mm -hmm. things in the house. Not necessarily throwing things across the screen like we have in our, uh, you know, our little slideshow with um, uh, the Poltergeist movie with Carol Ann. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can have uh, that, that... that's not to say that doesn't happen, but <laughs> there, you know, some, I just consider those kind of metal. And then you have different things like, um, you know, sleep spirits that hold you down when you're sleeping and cause paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's many different kinds of spirits. What, what do you, what about you, JD? Um, what, what kind of spirits can you name um, that come to mind when you think of evil or negative, negative spirits? Sure. I was thinking about, as you were talking, um, like trickster spirits, which you kind of touched on. Mm. These spirits that come in and, you know, they, they cause trouble, but they're they're not necessarily, like, really, per se, evil, but they still cause trouble, like you said, sleep paralysis, knocking things over. Maybe they even um, play games with you. A lot of times these are, like, low-level spirits. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people tend to mm-hmm. call these kind of spirits into their lives when they play with devices they don't know how to control. So they'll mm-hmm. be like, I'm calling Grandma Susie, and then 
Well, a spirit shows up and tells them they're Susie, and then before they realize it, they've invited this spirit in that's now causing havoc in their life. Um, mm-hmm. You could also pick up um, unwanted family members um, in your ancestral tree. So just because they're ancestors doesn't always mean they're good. So sometimes yes, they try to pop up. And then um, times when you're working with graveyards, um, if you're not careful and making sure that you cleanse and properly protect that, mm-hmm. you could pick up spirits there as well. Um, those are kind of the ones I've mostly uh, have experienced. Mm. Um, yeah, and in many ways, we're looking at a sort of classification that increase. In the same way that we talk about escalating types of, of removal, we have different types of spirit that sort of move up the rung. So we have meddlesome and nuisance spirits. These are the ones, as mentioned, for example, that move objects, right? Or, you know, you lose your keys and whatnot. Then you have trickster spirits, as you pointed out, J.D. These are spirits that can deceive. They're not necessarily evil, but they can be troublesome. Then there are dominating spirits. These can be ancestors. These are overbearing. They're not always evil or bad, but they can be difficult to deal with, and you have to manage them. Then there are negative slash vampiric spirits. These are spirits that are increasing sort of the rung. Uh, They drain you. They exhaust you. They make your life difficult. You can sense their presence in many ways because it brings a great deal of negativity in your own life. It brings anxiousness, parasitic. Brings sorrow. Yeah, they're very parasitic. Uh, and then some of them are outright vampiric. They quite literally drain you of your energy. And then you have evil spirits that are genuinely malicious. These can be demonic, devilish, etc. Not all of the spirits we're talking about, of course, are evil. Some are just annoying, right? So you have to know the difference between whether you're dealing with a violent robber who's breaking into your house versus an annoying prankster dumb ditching you. And there's going to be different approaches for how you deal with these different types of spirits. So let's talk a little bit about first identifying the type of spirit that you have and then uh, some of the strategies. So how are, for example, J.D. mentioned trickster spirits. How would you identify that this spirit is a trickster spirit in the first place? Oh, that's a great question. Um, one of the ways I identify first a trickster spirit is, um, you know, first of all, you look for the signs, what's going on to either yourself or the client. Um, the thing is moving things, bashing things, making noises, disrupting your sleep. These are, you know, um, spirit is, maybe you're using a, a Ouija board or you're using a pendulum and you're getting these answers and the answers are not accurate. So, like, you ask it, do I have blonde hair? Well, if you see me, you know I definitely don't have blonde hair. And it says yes, right? You know you're not dealing with the real entity that they claim to be. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you can always tell a spirit by um, testing it, um, asking, you know, questions that you only know. Um, So, like, these trickster spirits, they generally will attach to you as long as they still get that ride out of you. And then... When that kind of ends, they move on to something else more, or someone else. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they end up becoming more of a problem, especially if the person has mental health, because then they really feed off of that person. But normally they, they kind of get moved on. But I start by looking at what the spirit is, um, reading for the person, um, 
if possible, being there with the person and, you, you know, lighting a candle. And you can, if you look, if you light a candle and the person stand in front of you in a black wall or the lights off, you can, you can kind of see the aura. And, the, and from there you can see the, if there's an energy pulling outward from it. So it's a visual mm-hmm. way I've helped identify trickster spirit. How about you? Mm. Yeah, Reverend Dreams, what about, what are some strategies you use for identifying uh, the various spirits and, you know, ident- is it a negative spirit, an evil spirit, a trickster spirit, et cetera? Right. Um, I, I mean, first of all, the the uh, thing that J.D. mentioned is pretty much my go-to. You know, if they're, if we're working with mm-hmm. trickster spirits and, and we're trying to decide whether they're not or what kind of spirit they are, if we suspect it's that, I go for the, the truths. You know, you, you probe mm-hmm. it with the truths and then see if there is something that it says that is untrue. Um, that would be my mm-hmm. first go-to. Uh, maybe if I was trying to figure out what kind of spirit uh, it was beforehand, if I'm if I didn't have it nailed down to, you know, it might be a trickster spirit. Let's test it with a truth. Um, you know, I might mm-hmm. I might pull some cards, and if I got something like, you know, the um, uh, the fool card, that to me says a trickster spirit. It's going to be something mm. that, you know, maybe isn't something that is it's going to hurt me, but it's something that's going to be an annoyance. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even depending on what kind of cards are around that, if I continue to pull cards, you know, like maybe the devil card or um, uh, a tower card after that, it, that may be that may show that there may be an escalation. It could be, a you know, a, a stronger, more uh, something a little bit more than a trickster spirit um, or right. it just appears that way in the beginning. Um, those were kind of my go-tos for or beyond uh, just, you know, working with my higher self or a spirit guide or a particular um, holy being or, or God mm-hmm. um, and asking that through like a, a, a divination, um, probably like through pendulum is probably what I would go to most often. Yeah, that's a really good point. If you have a connection with a higher entity or power or force, whether it's the spirit of divination or a divinity, uh, they can be incredibly useful for identifying the spirits that arrive. And in many ways, a lot of the old traditions that we look at generally say that before you even go out doing work with spirits, you should have some type of spirit intermediary, whether it's an ancestor a divinity, a spirit of divination, a familiar spirit, etc. Those are often, those intermediaries are incredibly important. They can help identify the that. Yeah, this, this entity that showed up, that's a trickster. Don't listen to a word they say. This entity is a nuisance, so it's a sort of bug, you can get rid of this. Or this entity is genuinely evil, you need to drive them away. And so this, that's really a good point there, uh, Reverend James, is having that connection with the divine, having with a a higher power can help in that identification process. So now that you've identified this spirit, let's talk in sort of step-by-step fashion. What are some strategies we can do for driving away these negative spirits? Let's start off with the sort of lowest rung. Let's not talk about evil spirits or negative spirits yet. Let's just start with nuisance spirits. What are some strategies? We'll go to you first and then we'll go to Jamie. What are some strategies you teach your class? So you practice yourself when it comes to these that are nuisances and meddlesome, but aren't quite—they don't quite raise up to the level of danger. How do you deal with them? 
Well, uh, for me, I mean, one of the things that, depending on who you talk to or what tradition they're working in, you know, first, you might, like we've already established, you might have to identify the spirit. Having the name of a spirit is going to be very helpful in controlling or commanding it. Um, and beyond that, you may not know exactly where it is. Um, you know, we have a physicality to our spirit, and the spirit realm has a bit of a, a, a a, a locality to it. Um, so I think one of the first steps may even be, you know, finding out where it is and trapping it. So trapping might be one of the first steps to get the spirit into a place to where it's confined, to where you can then interrogate it and then work to figure out how to remove it. Mm. Judy, what about you? When it comes to dealing with this sort of low-level, nuisance spirits, what are some strategies you do to drive them away? Well, one is I'm a huge fan of Florida water, um, so I keep Florida yeah. water everywhere in my home. Um, I will spray the area where I feel the energy or spray down my body with Florida water. I do that pretty mm. regularly. Um, every time I walk in the bathroom, I'll just spray myself down. Um, cleansing um, is also important, using um, washes to clean the house. So if I feel the energy is off and I'm you know, I'm like a Reverend Art was saying, or James was saying earlier, where his luck is low and things are just not really kind of working out and he's maybe grumpy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's when I know I need to stop, I need to cleanse my house, and I need to cleanse me. And usually that in itself, I feel 100 times better and I know, okay, well, I, I took care of what mm -hmm. that problem was. Um, I also take basil that I grow a ton of basil in my garden. I will let it air dry. Mm -hmm. um, and I crumble that up and sprinkle it over my floors as I pray for the basil to remove any evil. And then I sweep that right out the front door. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Pat always says, you know, where evil, where basil grows, no evil goes. So it's a great tool for um, ridding trickster or unwanted spirits. Yeah, um, even things like uh, one another thing that immediately comes to mind is like colors. Um, so, I mean, if you kind of look at uh, charms, even kind of connected there with like evil eye charms, you have that haint blue. Haint blue is really good for keeping spirits away or creating spirit mm -hmm. traps even like the bottle tree. Um, and vermilion mm -hmm. red is often a color that is used to keep negative spirits away. That's why they use it in the Chinese culture. It, they say it brings mm -hmm. luck, but the way that it brings luck is by, by you know, um, keeping the bad spirits away because the bad spirits are what cause the bad luck, and therefore you can't get good luck. Um, so mm -hmm. colors, charms, um, those are good things for small, little, you know, meddlesome little spirits. Um, thought, thoughts come to mind of even things like, you know, um, which, which, which is in hag writing, um, things like putting the, a Bible under your bed with a pair of scissors or next to your bed with a glass of water or putting witch marks right. above your door, things well, like I, that. Well, I would say that, that, that hags and haints are, are a little bit more higher up than nuisance spirits. Those are like dominating spirits. So when you're, leaving, when you're working at this oh, sort of valid, lower yeah. level, yeah, and the lower level spirits, they're actually pretty easy to remove. More often, I mean, like J.D., you mentioned basil. If you keep basil in the house, just in the kitchen, it's pretty strong. It's strong enough that most of the time it'll keep these entities out. Balkan Diviner mentions garlic. That's another one. The hanging up of red peppers is another old tradition where you take dried red peppers and you hang them in your house. So long as those kind of 
objects, apotropaic, talismanic, amuletic objects exist, you can actually remove these entities. You can even just drive them away by, by willpower. You can say, leave this place, and they generally will. But you brought up something really important here, Reverend James, and that there are other types of entities like hags, hanks, night terrors, these type of entities that go that move from nuisance to being more parasitic or domineering. These are a little bit more dangerous and they require more effort. And whereas something as easy as Florida water or quick prayer can drive away a nuisance spirit, something like a hag requires more. So you mentioned a couple there. Uh, scissors, I think you mentioned under the bed. What else did you mention? Yeah, the the Bible um, with the Bible. glass of water. Um, right. And then there's, there's things like, um, if you, you imagine these things are things that are coming from the outside at night or right. things like that. So even things like reflective right. surfaces, mirrors and such. Yeah. Um, thieves are another really common. And one that I did forget to mention, sorry, from the, um, the smaller spirits is like the sign of the cross. That's kind of an easy one to go to. If you're having mm-hmm. some kind of little metal, some right. little thing coming after you, a sign of the cross is a good little thing to kind of say, hey, this body is not for you. You can't, you know, this is a holy place. Please leave. Right, right. Uh, as I mentioned, seeds and sifters. Seeds are another common one. White uh, mustard seeds, poppy seeds that are sprinkled outside in the yard. Uh, are all really, really powerful ways of keeping these sort of forces. And then, of course, your really powerful ally here, salt. Salt is really good, and it has a sort of universal effect that you can use it for uh, sort of nuisance spirits and these more parasitic, domineering ones. J.D., what about you? When moving up, sort of escalating, if you will, now moving away from nuisance spirits, uh, but looking at these sort of parasitic, domineering entities that uh, Reverend James has, has mentioned here, what are some strategies you do, whether it's hags and haints and night terrors, or other entities that are a little bit more domineering? How would you change the approach from, from using basil and Florida water? What would you add now that you're dealing with a little bit stronger and more disturbing of an entity? Sure. What I would move to at this point is going with um, ammonia, which removes Mm -hmm. any energy. Um, So I would clean the house with ammonia. I would add a tablespoon of that to any um, uncrossing Mm -hmm. baths to remove Mm -hmm. any energy that are on you as well. Um, I also Mm -hmm. would put camphor and eucalyptus. Um, You can actually buy like um, like Vicks and put that in... um, Mm -hmm little dishes around your bedroom. Um, you put them in every one of your corners, um, mm. concave and convex corners. Uh, that'll cast away any spirits as well. And it's an easy mm-hmm. um, item that you can kind of put out there. And other people use turpentine. That's another uh, common one to use as well. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at that point, you really, and this where a lot of people do the, you know, the casting of the way, but they don't put on protection. And this is really an important part. And came up in the mm-hmm. chat with St. Michael, um, about adding that uh, protection to you, whether it be a fiery wall of protection, if you're sealing your house off using putting the signs of the cross on the, the windows and the mm-hmm. doors, putting protective ambulance on the outside. Um, so that's where mm-hmm. I would be moving next. 
Yeah, those are all fantastic strategies. A friend of the show, Cliff Lowe, is in the chat, and he mentioned firecrackers are something used in Asian traditions to frighten off spiritual pests. We know that uh, gunpowder is also used in uh, Afro-traditional religions, African traditional religions, particularly in the Afro-Caribbean tradition. You'll find that gunpowder is used to frighten off spirits. Uh, even fireworks in Mexico are used as a way of driving off certain spirits of the dead. The idea here is that sound and light interferes with them in some way, shape, or form. And so it is. So you have the idea of firecrackers versus gunpowder, all really old-timey, fantastic ways of, of driving away spirits. I also find that smoking and incense is really good in this instance. So while I may not always use smoke and incense for nuisance, these sort of lower-rung pests, once we move into tricksters, once we move into domineering spirits, once we move, start to move into uh, parasitic spirits, now I'm looking at uh, fumigation. Smoke has a really powerful effect on spirits, and you can really get into the nooks and crannies of a home. You can even get to the nooks and crannies of your own body. I've mentioned, for example, placing sensor of, of incense on the actual ground and then sitting down on a chair with the incense in front of you and then wrapping a blanket so that the incense really kind of wafts up at all, all aspects of your body. And that's a really powerful way. I want to mention here two really good incenses. A cast off evil works really well, as does uh, Run Devil Run. Run Devil Run was explicitly designed for this level of spirit, this sort of parasitic, domineering, troublesome spirit that moves a, a little bit higher and a little bit more dangerous than pests and nuisances, but are but are not quite necessarily evil. Run Devil Run works wonders. Uh, anytime you feel an entity has sort of really shifted the tone in the house, bringing sorrows, bringing anxiety. Run, Devil, Run works so well to get these entities out. You can burn Run, Devil, Run. You can use the oil here. I'm a big fan uh, of it as an incense. It really does a fantastic job removing these type of entities. We also have some questions here about personal talismans. Do Personal talismans come into play here. Absolutely. And we're going to, let's take a couple minutes to talk about our favorite personal talismans before we start talking about genuinely evil spirits and some strategies uh, for dealing with them. I'm a big fan of astrological talismans. I think they're phenomenal when it comes to removing these type of entities and keeping you safe from them. Uh, the evil eye charm was already mentioned here. Astrological talismans work really well. The moon has very powerful protective quality to it in astrological magic. Old-timey medieval uh, astrological magic often invokes the moon in a variety of different charms for protection. I also am a fan of uh, uh, written talismans that are associated with uh, the Kabbalah or the Abjad system. These are alphanumeric in which you use the sacred names of God uh, and they're placed onto either magical squares or other configurations. These are really good that you can use on your body or in your home to keep you safe from these type of entities. What about you, Reverend James? What are some physical objects or talismanic objects that you would recommend for clients to keep them safe from these sort of parasitic entities? Well, before we quite go that far, I did want to make two other mentions And while we were talking about sensing. Um, 
There is the the Tibetan incense that's kind of made its way into Huju's mm. Tibetan ghost purging incense, which is specific to what we're talking about as well. I was thinking the Run Devil Run too for the Hoodoo, um, specifically Hoodoo aspect. Yeah. Um, but the the Tibetan ghost pur- uh, purging incense, it smells wonderful, and the the where it gets its power from really is just the sheer enormity of the amount of holy items and blessed items that goes into it because Mm -hmm. the Tibetan Buddhist tradition follows kind of like this homeopathic um, Mm -hmm. thought pattern of creating medicines and and incenses and things. So you have a little bit that's gone from from guru to guru to guru all the way down to whoever's making this incense now. So it has that lineage to it too that you can also call Mm -hmm. on to help purge um, things and and not to, not to forget um, holy water. So asperging um, in places where you can do that, similar to mm-hmm. um, sensing. I wanted to mention those few things. Um, mm. But <clears throat> as far as like charms and things go, I I'm really uh, I really love the haint blue color. I love blue. Blue and greens are my is just my colors. Um, so I probably would gravitate more towards like the evil eye. But um, for a lot of people, you know, a simple crucifix or a cross can be mm-hmm. immensely powerful if you, you know, put, put the right oils on it, like fiery wall of protection and things like that, um, and anoint, anoint it and wear it. Um, uh, Palod Kicks, they're famous for, for keeping uh, negative spirits and things away. Um, so those are little Thai penis amulets. Um, those are the few that come to mind. Uh, another one, uh, Buddhists have um, a red string. People are probably familiar with that. Um, it, mm. it has a connection with um, Kala Chakra and Chakra Sambara, but it also has connection with the Dharma protectors. So most often the red strings, they come in red or blue, which is often kind of funny because of the haint blue. Um, but they come in red and blue, and they're um, blessed with uh, uh, Dharma protector mantras and Dharma protector pujas. Um, and then mm. they are warned to kind of give an aura of that, that Buddha um, or that energy that says, you know, this is an enlightened being or this is a being that is protected by an enlightened being. So please back away. Mm. Mm-hmm. What about you, J.D.? Are there physical objects or talismans that you would recommend for a protective approach towards these type of spirits, parasitic, domineering, etc.? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the ones I might go to is the Tetragrammaton, which um, you know is the mm. holy name of God, um, which uh, you can pray over, dress it with, fire wall of protection, um, holy oil is another great one to dress it with. Um, I also wear a St. Benedict charm. Um, St. Benedict is known for casting off evil. Um, I actually have a old spell my grandma gave me. I'll share in a minute with you guys. Um, I wear the Italian horn. I do find that wearing something uh, lineage to your ancestors also seems to help. Um, my family from Italy, so it's also a protective charm. I also mm. wear an iron bracelet on my left wrist, and iron is known for being protective, casting away evil spirits, so particularly wearing it on the left side of your body. Those are the items. And, of course, I have a St. Michael chaplet that I carry with me as well. Mm. Uh, easy to And those are great, too, because you could um, 
kind of pray as you go. Like you can, you know, put your hand in your pocket and do the beads while you're praying. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, you feel like if you're on attack daily or if you're, you're in your home, it's an easy thing for you to keep track of your prayers while you're also, you know, working to cast away mm. the evilness around. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I mean, St. Michael will not fail you when it comes to matters like this. Uh, there are certain metals that are really good. Iron uh, has an effect on a lot of different spirits, spirits of the dead, uh, have particularly against uh, the sage and et cetera. Uh, silver as well, and mirrors are also kind of very commonly used as these really protective charms. All right, let's move up a little bit in, in, our, in our ladder here. We've talked about a variety of different spirits from nuisances to the more dangerous parasitic ones. Let's talk about genuinely evil entities, whether they're demons, devils, monsters, whatever you want to call them. Genuinely evil, they could be evil spirits of the dead, spirits of murderers, etc. They can be uh, spirits that are genuinely devilish. They're different from what we've talked about because the other entities, while they can be a problem, they can be annoying, they can even be disruptive and and parasitic, they may not always necessarily have evil intentions. They may not. For example, a domineering ancestor that really just kind of ruins the mood of the house because their personality is too big, because they're too demanding, they're not necessarily evil, but they may not be the right entity in your life. They're just too much. On the other hand, evil spirits genuinely intend harm. And so the approach here has to be slightly different. What are some strategies now upping the ante a bit to dealing with genuinely evil beings? How do you remove them? drive them away from your home, your heart, and your life. Let's start first with Reverend James. What are some strategies, whether you're teaching clients this or performing it on behalf of others, for removing evil spirits? Well, for me, it's really that uh, calling on the higher power um, Mm -hmm. at that point. You know, you need something that is stronger than that being to influence that being. Um, So... Mm -hmm. You know, if, you, if you're looking at it from the Catholic perspective, you have, like, the exorcism rites, um, the mm-hmm. Roman ritual. Um, and if you're looking at it from a folk, folksy magic perspective, I mean, I think it's kind of just a, a collaboration of all of these things. You know, it, it becomes mm-hmm. a trap the spirit, cleanse the area, cleanse the body, put up a, put up a barrier, put up a protection, and it, it just becomes this multi-step process where you have to do all of the things instead of just a few of the things, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's more involved, in other words, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's a really good point. It's, it's not as simple. You're not just sprinkling some, some salt and it's gone. Yes, good point. How about you, J.D.? What yeah, and that depends on completely what kind of spirit it is. You know, if it's a, a yeah. demon within the Christian tradition, you're going to need to probably work within the Christian tradition and calling on a higher power of, you know, Virgin Mary, Jesus, God, um, the Tetragrammaton, the name of God, um, something along those lines to be able to influence that being because that being's in that tradition. You know, that's where its, mm-hmm. its realms are. Um, so mm-hmm. that would really greatly depend on um, what, what spirit or what evil entity that was. Mm-hmm. Um, another mm-hmm. one that, you know, if a Buddhist person came to me and said that they were having issues with demons and things like that, my, it, 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 I, I would ask them first, you know, um, what, if they're a Vajrayana Buddhist, if they're a Tantric Buddhist, and if they are, 
then I would suggest that they go and try to get a chud initiation. Chud is the cutting mm-hmm. of the ego, but it also is this really intricate ritual that involves working with negative spirits and demons and interacting with them to help mm-hmm. bring them out of the negativity and the evil that they are to try to transform them into something better. But that's a completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Recognizing which entity, the which tradition it belongs to can really matter here. Judy, what are some strategies you use when you're coming across a genuinely evil, dangerous entity that differ? Like, how do you up the ante in your spiritual go-away, your spirit-be-gone techniques? Sure. Um, I work with St. Benedict when I'm uh, casting out an evil spirit like that. Um, and it's actually, mm-hmm. and this is where I wanted to bring up, uh, it's an old uh, working that my grandma taught us. And what she would do is she would take three rue branches and she would dip it in holy water that she got at the church. And she would pray the prayer of St. Benedict as she sprinkled the water throughout the house and cleansed the home. And then she would set a white candle dressed in holy oil or olive oil, depending on what she could get, and with mustard seeds sprinkled around it in each room. Mm-hmm. And then you were supposed to do three Hail Marys, three Glory Bees, and three Our Fathers after that prayer. So that is uh, a thing that I use still. Um, I believe it's really important that when you're casting out true evil that you do it in a very firm uh, voice. It's, you know, you're not asking, you're telling. Um, I was also taught that when casting out an evil spirit that you, you leave an entryway open. So as you're working towards that exit of your, say it's your window or your door, it is open to cast the spirit out. And then when you actually cast it out, you slam it shut to seal them out. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, working with you, the spiritual traditions you are familiar with is really going to be important because you're you're kind of – you're you're – mustering your arsenal, your spiritual arsenal, so to speak, when you're dealing with these these more powerful, dangerous entities, because they're not they're not just going to listen to you like, hey, go away. You need to really bring the the heat, so to speak, and that's one of the strategies that I use here. So I this is at the level where I start to work with spirit traps. For those of, for those of you that have attended the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in the past, you know that I've taught a class actually on spirit traps and spirit bottles. They work incredibly well in this regard. It's a very uh, traditional thing to do that's found in the Middle Eastern tradition. It's found in Africa as well. The idea of trapping these spirits, you can find them bottle spells in, in England. All around the world, there's a variety of these ideas that you can trap certain entities, but you've got to know what you're doing. So I use spirals, uh, spirals made of salt, spirals made out of candles, all really effective ways of drawing spirits in. You can also use Florida water in that regard, but I light the Florida water on fire. You've got to be very careful. Don't set your house on fire. But I would actually pour uh, Florida water into heat-proof dishes and then light the Florida water, and it will draw the spirit into the Florida water. You can then trap it and dispose of it at running water or at the ocean. The idea here is you want to get it into water and away from you. Spirals work really well here, a variety of different traps. If it's actually in the house, I always recommend creating a sort of ring, if you will, of Florida water outside of the house, on the ground, if you have some type of concrete, etc. And then very carefully, if you can, light the Florida water. If you can't do it on the ground, you can place it in uh, a, a bowl 
light the Florida water on the fire. And then as the Florida water uh, starts to go down and the fire decreases, that draws the spirit in. We then ring very quickly with salt, trapping the entity inside of that. And then you can put a cover on top of the fire, snuffing it out, and then you can take it to, to the running water and dispose of it that way. This requires a bit of finesse. When it comes to evil entities, you could try your hand at it, but this is genuinely one of the, the, the areas you're probably going to need some professional help with. Right? I mean, this is why you do the work that you do, James. This is why you do the work you do, do uh, uh, JD. This is where you're going to need a little bit of professional help. That does not to say you can't learn to do this work. But if you're just starting out in root work and conjure or whatever your spiritual path is, probably shouldn't be going and tussling with the devil that shows up at your door. Right? <laughs> That's, would, you, would you agree with that? This is where you need a little bit more professional Absolutely. help. Yeah, it, it, it requires a little bit more uh, knowledge here. And we should note that there are differences between uh, an entity that is attracted to your body or physically attached to you versus your house, right? Reverend James, can you talk a little bit about how you might alter your approach based off of whether the entity is tied to this devil or, or evil spirit is tied to a person versus an object versus the home? And then we'll talk to JD about the same question. Well, for me, I mean, I would really treat it fairly similarly. Like, um, if you've ever seen, um, oh, interesting. Uh, uh, meta, um, sorry, um, Hispanic cleansings of the body, where they go around and they 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 chant something, a, a, a spirit, uh, you know, get out, leave something, and they'll hit the body with various herbs or various weapons. Um, very lightly, of course, they're not trying to hurt the person that they're trying to to cleanse. Um, for me, that would be kind of the same thing for for a house or or, or a place. Um, you know, I would kind of be going around and doing um, each one of these things into a different room. I would treat each area as a quote unquote person, I guess you would say, um, just mm-hmm. being on the inside of the person instead of on the outside. That's the only difference. Um, in which case I would really focus and hone in on exactly what J.D. was talking about earlier, where I would create a barrier within the whole, within the whole of the place and leave that one specific place that I will be doing the final cleansing, so to speak, as I'm pushing these entities from room to room to get out and then sealing that area. Um, that would probably be my pared down explanation of what I would do. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think my approach is slightly different because I do differentiate between a physical, uh, an entity tied to a physical place, object versus person. But it's always interesting to see these sort of differences in how we, we approach it. What about you, J.D.? Do you take a different approach if, say, the devil is in, in a person's house, like it's hunting a place, versus an evil spirit that is attached to a person? Or, like... James, is there a more kind of universal approach to what you do or similarity? Yeah, great question. I mean, I kind of do like James, our Reverend James was saying in that, you know, there's, we always, I always recommend first we start with a, a cleansing and, you know, whether it be a, a bath or your cleansing of your house. But if it's particularly attached to a person, um, I do a 13 herb bath while having them recite Psalms 91 
13 times while dunking themselves in the water 13 times, um, letting them air dry, dressing them with holy oil as you pray um, St. Michael's Prayer for Protection and um, calling that spirit out of them and and pulling on really Bible verses like when uh, Jesus cast the the multiple spirits into the swine, you know, using literature like that to help with the work. For an object, I, if it's able, I would cleanse it in an item that is able to be um, safe for that item. For example, if it's cloth, you know, you can't really put it in ammonia or you're going to destroy it. You've you got to mm. take a different approach based on the material that you're using. And the same with a home. Um, first, for me, doing a home is you have to be cleansed yourself and protected. And then when you go into that space, you can start doing that work of removing it through prayer, through cleansing, um, but you have to be protected and cleansed yourself. I was also taught um, when you are removing from a home, you need to clean the mirrors and photos and then cover them because they could enter, the spirits can enter into those items and and stay. So Mm. you would clean them and then cover them with a cloth so that could not enter into those uh, photos or or mirrors, um, and so you. That's be able a very to get rid good point for, for you know making sure that they they only have that one way out. Yeah. Yeah. This is this I is really it. interesting because I, I think for example for me different elements work di- better for plates. So for example, I think smoke w- works really really well for locations. Right. Smoke works really well in the house. That doesn't mean you can't use. Incense for the body. I, I just gave a recommendation of this a few minutes ago, but I think incense works incredibly well for when an entity is in, in the place. Whereas I think bathing works extremely well for when it's attached to the person. And for a physical object, fire works even better. Fire is a little trickier for the person. That doesn't mean you can't use fire on a person. You just have to be incredibly careful. There's a whole tradition in, 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 in Persian exorcisms where you build a bonfire and you leap over it. And that's one way to do it. You can do it symbolically, let's say, like a candle. So you could certainly use fire in that way, but fire seems to work a little bit better with purifying objects. So for me, there are those differentiations. Like if, a, if an entity is attached to a person versus an object versus a place, I do adjust my strategy a little bit. But again, it comes down to the nature of that entity, what's actually called for. There's also here, and and maybe we can spend a few minutes talking about this, the sort of aftercare that comes with once you've removed the spirit. Because once you've gotten rid of an entity, there are other things you need to do, like protection, cleansing, uh, empowerment, all these things that are required afterwards. If a client were to come to you, Reverend James, and you performed or prescribed for them a working that drove the spirit away and you were successful, whether it was a parasitic entity or an evil entity, you drove away the negative spirit. What would you say is the follow-up to that? What would they then do after you've been successful? What is the sort of aftercare, spirit care that you would give them? Right. So, I mean, immediately after the working, like I would probably have given all of this to them whenever I gave them the cleansing versus them having to come back to me. Um, 
but <laughs> I would immediately tell them, you know, once they've, they've finished the cleansing, they've got the spirit out, immediately do some kind of protective work. So like we talked about, or like you talked about the, the whole, uh, the, um, Florida water around, you know, we, you could use salt, create a salt barrier. You can nail down your property. You can do like that one person that had all of the um, Indian head coins on their, on the outside of their house, you know, to keep a lookout and to keep things away. Um, maybe you want to even look into getting some kind of uh, thing that scares other spirits away to make sure that they don't come back. That was talked a little bit about into the uh, chat. So maybe mm -hmm. like a spa dog set or a gargoyle, or, you know, even animals, if you like, if you're an animal person, maybe getting a cat, there are certain animals that seem to mm -hmm. keep spirits away, they don't, they don't really like um, other things, like maybe, you know, hanging Tibetan prayer claws, those things are good. At that point, once they've created that, that uh, protective barrier, then it's time to work on bringing in good spirits. So spirits that's going to help protect you, things that are going to come mm. in and sympathize with you to keep these spirits out so that that way you don't constantly have to keep up this protection work all the time. You can have this, you know, spiritual allies that will help you in that aspect. Um, but that's not to say that you, you, you let the protection stuff go. You know, every time you go to clean the floors or something, maybe once a month, once every few months, you want to replace that, especially if it's something where you've had to deal with a really extreme case of spirit attack mm, that's fantastic and the level of care that a client would get when they come to you is just beautiful there i love the work that you're doing what about jd what about you so you you've you've done battle you've done spirit battle and you've been successful you've driven the evil entity away what do you do afterwards with the client what is the spirit aftercare that you would provide for them sure so for me, and similar to James, is that it's very important at that point that the client understands how to protect themselves and how to utilize those products. So, for example, a mm. protection mode that they carry on them and that they dress it weekly and how they pray over that. Um, how, do you, mm -hmm. how to properly bathe regularly to cleanse themselves as well. Um, how to dress their body with oil to keep them, you know, safe and to keep things off of them. Um, using things like nettle tea and how they can drink that regularly to help cast away any evilness that might be coming to them. I've also noticed a lot of times when it's um, a, a client who's had a, a spirit attachment for a while is that they sometimes don't want to accept that they they are free. And so they mm, will constantly, really good point. you know, thinking about it, talking about it. And ultimately what you're doing yeah. is you're attracting those low-level spirits to come back and be like, here I am, you know, so part of it is also the mindset of how to be free when you're free, you know, so um, a brilliant reciting, point. Yeah, reciting prayers, focusing on blessing, tranquility, um, lighting, you know, simple candles and praying, you know, a tranquility prayer or peace of mind prayer, because uh, I don't want them to constantly think about the negative, I want to start thinking about the positive that they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And again, also when you take off of negative energy, you might kind of feel like, you know, you're naked, like you took everything off of you. So replacing that energy with something greater. So if the client is in need of um, a job and maybe working um, job spells and getting them involved in that work so they can get their hands on it um, rather than fixating on what they just left behind. That is fantastic. I love that you brought up 
that there is this emotional component to what you're doing, right? Like if a person has been dealing with an entity for a long period of time, there is a sort of a shadow or a haunting that continues even after the entity leaves. And there's a need to kind of not necessarily think positively, but to help them to adjust to this new reality where they are free from the entity. Stop talking about it. Stop bringing it up. Stop allowing that entity power over you even once they're gone. That is such an important part because we've said this on the show, but this is, you're really driving at something crucial. Long-term curses, long-term crossed conditions, and long-term evil spirits, they have this sort of after effect, if you will. They continue to hold power if we let them. Like if you've been crossed for like five years and then you're finally uncrossed, it gets, it's hard for you to adjust this new reality of being free from those conditions. And it's the same thing with the entity. If you've been dealing with an evil spirit that has made your life hell for a long period of time, it can sometimes be hard adjusting to the reality where your life isn't hell. And so you'll look for it like, I had a bad day today. What happened? Oh, my coffee was cold. <laughs> like, okay, you're, not, you're no longer in these, this situation where an evil spirit is making your life horrible. Don't look for, for reasons and justifications to allow that power back into your life. That's a really good point. For me, I tell clients, it's two things. Wash and seal. Those are the two things you really need to know. Cleanse and wash. <laughs> a good practice is spiritual hygiene. You just need to learn it. If you learn nothing... You learn nothing. You've got to learn spiritual hygiene. Wash, 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 wash. Spiritual hygiene, and then seal any sort of protective measure that seals your spiritual space that keeps those entities from coming back. Whether it's putting up protective charms, uh, sealing the windows and doors with oils, whatever it is, wash and seal. Those are the two aftercares for me. I do want to give a good plug for a couple of products here that I think work really well. I think, J.D., you mentioned, I think it was either J.D. or Reverend James. I don't know who I'm giving credit for this for. But a fiery wall of protection, really fantastic here. For any type of, of sealing of the body, I was told that after you've done spiritual cleansing, whether to remove cross conditions or to remove an evil entity, Van Van oil or John the Conqueror oil is really, really good. You just take a dab of it and anoint your hands, your head, and your feet, and that seals the body so that no further spirit can be attached on. You can also use blessing and oil for this, holy oil for this as well. But I'm a big fan of Van Van and John the Conqueror. So just as you can seal your location and you can seal your home, so too can you seal the body and keep it safe. We've had, uh, we're at the end of our, our discussion here. We've had a really fantastic breakdown between all of us on a really complicated topic. In actuality, I think we can go on for like another hour and at the very minimum, I'm hoping that this is an incentive uh, for uh, both JD and Reverend James to come back. And maybe we'll do a, a part two at some point on how to deal with uh, and drive away negative spirits. Thank you for this really cool discussion between both of you. This was really fun. We're going to move on to our first client. But first, some announcements. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org.
and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. So our caller today, his name is Lone Pine, calling in from area code 909. Hi. Hi, Lone Pine, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Excellent, excellent. And you've indicated that you've had no reading on this situation previously, correct? Uh, Yes, that would be correct. All right, so Lone Pine writes, I broke my back last week, and so I couldn't start a seasonal job I was hired for. I'll start work again for a different job a month from now. However, now I have hardly any money left, and I'm worried that I can't pay my bills for August. My back is still hurting too much for me to do anything, especially a full-time job. Will I be financially be okay financially for the next month? Conjurement, thank you. thank you for that. I'm going to do your uh, first reading, and then we're going to be followed by Reverend James, and then JD's going to come and give you some root work advice at the end. Uh, let me just ask you a couple questions. Uh, first, uh, what sign of the zodiac are you? Taurus. Taurus. Okay, so that that matters here. Taurus and work are very very important connection there. Uh, but also, Tauruses mm-hmm. take a little bit longer to mend uh, than the other signs. It's just sort of a common thing. Now, I generally look at the ascendant more than I do the sun sign, so I would have to look at your whole chart to make. But just in sort of general terms, we see some a little bit of a, bit of a slow mend for Tauruses. That once they they're kind of on their back, they're on their back for a little. Or I want to make sure: Are you on the mend right now? Things are getting a little bit better. How long? How far are you from being fully recovered? Um, so it can take about three months for this type of fracture to heal. Okay, so you're you're on the mend, but it's still a, a little while off. Okay, that's that's, yes. that's important to understand. So I'm going to pull a few cards to see what your financial situation looks like. Will you be fine? Um, the answer overall is yes. There are some some bumps along the way, and you're going to have to, you know, rely on on some help. So what I've pulled done is pulled three cards. The first card is the Knight of Swords, and the Knight of Swords indicates something that is disruptive. It is a powerful, energetic force that comes into your life and causes chaos, and then sort of moves on. But it is a temporary, transient state. The Knight of Swords shows us a figure that is moving through a, a desert, and behind them is storms, this sort of uh, storm-cast sky. They're charging head first. Um, when it comes to issues of, of, of injuries, accidents, etc., the Knight of Swords is right there. It's the clearest indication of some type of accident or injury or harm that is done, that is done quickly, swiftly, uh, and it causes a disruption. This is the stormiest of all the 
uh, sword cards with the exception of maybe the five of swords. It's an incredibly stormy card and it indicates that the storm clouds are gathering, that there are difficult times ahead as a result of the event that has happened. The good news is that the event is not long-lasting. That means that whatever consequence comes from this beyond the physical act of healing, the physical consequence of loss of finances, difficulty in finances, that is temporary. It is transient. It, is, it won't last forever. The next card is the temperance card. And the temperance card is one that cautions patience. It shows us an angelic figure. It's a solar angel with one foot in water, one foot in land. And it's pouring water between two goblets, an indication that says you're going to have to call upon your spiritual reserves here in order to help with your physical and financial situation. You're in a difficult strait, but you have the spiritual reserves. Even as you may be physically injured and hurt, you have the spiritual reserves necessary in order to navigate these choppy, stormy waters that we saw from, from this finances. So spirit work is going to be incredibly important and particularly spirit work that draws upon angels, that draws upon ancestors, and that draws upon spiritual allies that will kind of step in and help to ensure that your finances remain stable and strong during this time period. So you're going to have to sort of balance out uh, the the uh, physical with the spirit. The, whatever physical is lacking here, physical injury, financial lack, you're going to need to compensate spiritually. So draw upon the matters of spirit in order to address the, the current circumstances. Working with angels, working with spirits, working with a spiritual allies, ancestors, uh, etc. This is also a card that says that there's going to be, it might take a little bit longer to heal than you might have hoped for. So take it easy. There is no rush here. Balance is important. Any of the work that you do, I would highly recommend working with water. So I'm going to signpost this a little bit for JD at the end uh, to include a little bit of water uh, and water magic in whatever it is you do. That's going to be really crucial for navigating this. The final card is the Ten of Pentacles. Yes, you will be able to come out of this successfully. It's not going to be easy. The Ten of Pentacles tells us you're probably going to have to dip into savings. You're probably going to have to dip into any type of inheritance or dip into any uh, financial support you can gain from others. Here we see an older man who is retired. This is a person who is sitting down uh, and they're surrounded in by their dogs. They've got a robe on. Before them are their descendants, and they're in this beautiful Italian, small Italian village surrounded by coins. Uh, I would highly recommend connecting with any type of resources that can help with this situation, prayer networks, donation networks, things that can step in to assist you, family connections that you may have. All of these are going to be you will then connect with any type of savings if you have any, and the two are going to help to navigate you going forward so that you will be able to address your financial needs. The good news is that this card also indicates that you will be able to get back on your feet once the finances, once you get into work, the finances will flow again. So what, we, what I'm seeing here is a blimp. You've sort of hit a speed bump. The speed bump is pain jarring. You're going to feel the jarring effects of it for a little bit, but you have both the spiritual tools necessary to see yourself through. And if you connect to social support and security networks, social security networks here that can really safety nets, then you can really see yourself through this difficult time. I'm going to turn this over to Reverend James, who's going to do the next reading, and then JD will give you some good work advice.
Thank you, Conjure Man. All right. So I've pulled three cards here. They're all reversed, but let me just go ahead and tell you that does not mean that this is a completely negative reading at all. Um, the first card that we have is the High Priestess. She's reversed. Um, this shows a woman in a blue kind of dress with a moon on her head and a crescent moon at her feet and a, um, the Torah in her hands and a black and a white um, pillar on either side of her with pomegranates growing in the background. What this tells me is that you have some magical abilities, um, but you're, for whatever reason right now, choosing not to use them or you're unsure exactly how to do that or how to move forward in that aspect, which is great. That's why you're here, and that's why JD can help you with the root work at the end. So I think um, you have the power to be able to do all of the things that JD will um, prescribe to you later. So this is a very good card showing that you have that potential for success in that work. Um, the second card that I have is the Nine of Wands. And this shows um, about eight stabs stuck into the ground with mountains behind them, clear blue skies, but a man in front holding on to one staff, which is the ninth staff, and um, it, it's holding him up. He has a, a bandage around his head. This is telling me um, that you, you're going to have a good bit of trouble with what you're going through. So this um, fracture that you've had, I believe that's what you said, um, you, you may notice many different things that could be an issue. Um, people often experience things like neuropathy, burning, itching. Those kind of things for you will probably be a little bit more heightened than you expect. Um, this card kind of represents a, a pummeling of, of things, and that will kind of start to wear a little bit on your mind. So it's really important for you to find things that you can do, that you can accomplish and with this injury, and, uh, you know, make sure that you're telling yourself that you're, you did a good job. You know, just because you are temporarily out of commission in certain aspects doesn't make you a useless person, doesn't make you less than you can still do these things. The, at the end of each one of these branches as well, each one of these stabs is a little bit of growth at the end. There's little bits of leaves coming out. So this tells me that there's no problem with you being able to grow and move forward with uh, your life going forward and your, and your financial um, situation. It'll just be a little bit harder than you expect, most likely specifically emotionally. Um, the last card that I have is the Four of Cups. Um, and um, upright, this is a person sitting beneath a tree with three cups that has already been presented to them. They're refusing it, and there's a fourth one being offered by spirit or God or who, who what have you from, from materializing in front of him with exactly what he wants, but he still refuses. However, in this reverse position, this shows that there's going to be a, a acceptance that comes a little begrudgingly far as that you, um, like uh, Conjure Man mentioned, you may have to reach out to people that you can trust, your, your network, um, these different things that, uh, different programs perhaps. And it, again, a lot of people sometimes feel less than and down for having to go to, for instance, a, a food bank or something like that. That is not the reason for those. They're not meant to make you feel bad. They're meant to be there for whenever you have these issues. 
So make sure that you take full advantage of those things, um, even if it's a little bit mentally hurting for you. Um, just remember that this is only temporary and you will be out of this very soon. Um, so make sure that you lean on some of your friends. They will be there to help you, especially um, as Conjure Man also mentioned, spirit will be there to help you, just like the spirit is reaching out and giving this person this cup. Um, so too will spirit reach out and try to help you with your situation. Okay. I'm going to turn that over to JD so that he can give you some root work. So I, I would also, um, as Conjure Man said, recommend some type of water work um, just due to the cups that have, have showed up. And that's kind of the future. And that's the most positive card that we have. That I'm going to share with you today is working with St. Jude. Uh, so what I would have you do is start by getting two candles, a white and a green candle. And you're going to dress these candles either with All Saints oil or St. Jude oil. Now, you'll set these candles next to an image of St. Jude, who's the patron saint of difficult and impossible situations. Um, you will also get a lodestone that you'll dress with money stay with me oil. And you'll wrap your petition around that, asking for the money that you have to stay with you and to be able to last you while you go through this period of recovery. And you will ask St. Jude to help you by bringing you grace and mercy from others. And that, um, as Reverend James was saying, that maybe through churches or friends or family that they will donate and help you. Um, you will recite over these candles every day, Psalms 23 and 32, while you also pray to St. Jude to help you with your cause. Anything from you, Conjurman? That is a fantastic working. I think it's it's really great. And I think working by reaching out to spirit in this way is is incredibly important. I do want to give a recommendation to the uh, Crystal Silence League. The Crystal Silence League is a great place for you to get your prayers heard. Uh, if you can just go to the Crystal Silence League uh, and and get your and put up a prayer petition there, uh, you'll get a prayer network. If you don't have like a church or a a religious site that you can turn to, prayer at crystalsilenceleague.org, really, really useful place to do that. I do want to recommend here um, two herbs that work really well in a situation like yours, alfalfa and alkanet. Alfalfa and alkanet are really good. They are generally used. So when I was being taught, when I was taught hoodoo uh, quite early on, Mama J back in back when I was like 11 years old, one of the first things she taught me is that money is very uh, mercurial, and so money can be easily jinxed, money can easily be crossed up, and money can easily be lost just from natural circumstances. And so the thing she taught me is that. Regardless of whatever I'm doing, any type of money working that I do, I should include alfalfa and alkanek because it will protect my money. And this is also really useful in the situation that you're in. Protect your money. So you can actually take whatever money you have. You can put some of it in your wallet or your purse and then sprinkle some alfalfa and alkanek into it. 
and that will ensure that it will protect you from poverty so that you will never get to the point where there is no money in your hands. You cannot pay your bill. Alfalfa and Alcanet works that way. You could also just actually place it on a money altar. You can place the money and then sprinkle those alfalfa and Alcanet there. You can also brew alfalfa and Alcanet into a tea and bathe yourself in it. It's an incredibly powerful mixture that works really well to protect you from crosses and jinxes when it comes to money, and it protects you from from poverty. Works well. I've been recommending it to clients ever since for years and years and years. It works absolutely wonders. If you don't uh, want to sprinkle like your money with it, like you like, I don't want to have alfalfa and alkanet in my wallet or my purse, uh, you know, the other way to do it is to brew it into a tea and then wash your coins in it. Wash your coins in it, dry the coins and then put them into your purse or whatever. And that's another way that you can ensure and protect your money and your wealth. What about you, Reverend James? Anything you've got to add here? Yep, I was uh, going to say exactly what Aya Asha Aya put in the chat. Money, stay with me, oil. So since you're kind of working with little mm. funds right now, one of the biggest things for you regarding money is going to be hanging on to what you got, um, what you already have, so that you know bills aren't coming due and like hounding you for stuff. Maybe you can get a little bit of an extension things like that, you can hang on to that money a little longer. Um, so maybe putting some, um, you know, money stay with me oil on the outside of your wallet or your change purse or um, sensing your purse um, with money stay with me incense would be a great idea. Another thing is, is that when you do, I'm not saying if, because we're talking positive, when you do get that money and that boon from St. Jude and working with that lodestone that um, JD talked to you about, donate a little bit of that money. So that will help keep bringing money in. Um, it's always good to donate money. It creates that kind of trained money idea. You can even go through and make it trained money, you know, write um, your name on the secretary section. There's a whole section on Lucky Mojo on how to do this. Um, but make sure that you donate just a small amount, especially if all of your friends come together and give you a good sum. That's fantastic. You've got a lot of really good advice here. Uh, really turn to the people around you. Uh, when we're injured, when we're sick, when we're in these positions is probably the most important time for us to turn to friends, families around us. It's not, uh, uh, there's no shame in it, but it is important for us to find our community, to find our network, to find that safety net that will keep us from falling through. So we do definitely encourage you to, to consider that. Uh, whether it is an online family, a found family, or your blood relations, this is the time to reach out to them because you don't want to be alone. Uh, I think all three of us have seen pretty clearly here that that's going to be the key, that in addition to the work of spirit, the practical work here is the social component, making sure you're not alone, making sure you've got support. If you do that, all of our readings indicate that you will make it through this successfully. We do wish you well in this endeavor. Thank you for entrusting us with your situation. Uh, do let us know how all things turn out. You'll definitely be in our prayers and hopefully you'll navigate these troubled waters. All the best. Now, we're going to take a quick break uh, for some network scheduled announcements uh, and then we'll come back with a, a free spell. L-M-C you're listening to the LMC Radio Network, 
broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James. Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain in syndication. Tuesdays, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Boyd. Tuesdays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay in syndication Thursdays. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in Western North Carolina. Over to you, Reverend James. Thank you, Reverend Art. Um, Today, since we're talking about chasing away negative spirits, I'm going to offer three different workings for different strengths of the case, if you have a light case, a moderate case, or an extreme case of spirit trouble. And this advice comes to me mainly from my Buddhist uh, guru teacher, his eminent Temtulkul Rinpoche. Um, for light cases, uh, it's best to take sincere refuge. Um, the refuge prayer is very simple. It's only four lines. And the easiest one to pronounce is the one in Sanskrit. Um, that is, Namo Guru Ve, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Dhammaya, Namo Sangaya. And this will be a way to create an enlightened energy around you that will keep these spirits away. For moderate cases, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to take sincere refuge because everything in Buddhism starts with refuge. And then you're going to include the Heart Sutra. If you have uh, the Heart Sutra and you would like to recite the entire thing, that is a very good and auspicious thing. Or you can do one mala of the Heart Sutra Mantra, which is Tayata Om Gate Gate Haragate Harasamgate Bodhisoha. And for extreme cases, we are going to be calling on a specific spirit. And uh, this spirit is called Sangdoma. Um, She is a manifestation of the green Tara, and it is her fierce lion-faced manifestation. And this was written by the eight Karmapa, um, and it's called Averting Negativity Through the Lion-Faced Dakini. You take refuge 21 times, then recite either Tsongkhapa or Guru Rinpoche's mantra 21 times. I recommend Guru Rinpoche because it's short. Om Ahom Benza Guru Pema Sidi Hong. For Benza, you can swap out Vajra. That's just a differentiation between Sanskrit and Tibetan, Buddhism or Tibetan. So the next part is the prayer to Sangdoma, and it is the glorious Vajra goddess, fierce one with a lion's face, radiating with I bow to you. And then you will recite the mantra 21 
or 108 times, depending on how much time you have. Om Ka Samara Ranta Shandarasa Maraya Pe. And you want to be very emphasis on the Pe. And, you, and whenever you say that, you can snap, clap, or otherwise make some kind of loud noise or sound like we spoke about earlier, firecrackers, things like that. Um, slapping wood together, which is done in Shingon uh, Buddhism. Then you will continue, O lion-faced Akini, through the power and force of reciting your Vidya mantra. For us practitioners, teachers, students, and our families and friends, may all enemies who spite us, obstructors who would harm us, and conditions that hinder us, in short, everything inauspicious and negative, be averted. Host of ladies ablaze with wrath, reduce to dust the body and speech of all enemies, obstructors, and curses, and free their mind into Dharma Datu. Through the power of our reciting your Vidya Mantra, ensure that all harmdoers are pacified, that everything goes according to our wishes, and that the study and practice of the teachings thrive. Now, you will do this until you have no more problems with those spirits or up until about 100,000 recitations, which is usually done in, in Drogo, which is the preliminary practices, which by then you should be quite close to being a strong, mental-willed person. And that's it. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. I always love when you're on your show because you do bring a very different perspective. Uh, and we talk about how the show is about conjuring voodoo, but also about global folk magic traditions. We talk about a variety of different practices. So this is really a great uh, entryway, introduction for people who are new to this type of, of, of Buddhist magic, of Buddhist practice. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and just the prayers we're looking at here and the mantras here are just absolutely stunning. This is such cool work. Such absolute. I mean, obviously the the uh, religion nerd in me is enjoying it very much. <laughs> <laughs> so the religion nerd in me, yes, this is the stuff I've signed up for. But also, this is fantastic. It shows people um, the type of work that they can do, the type of prayer and power that they can manifest. But also, hopefully, draws people who may be interested in doing this type of work, walking down this spiritual path, but may not know where to start, may not know what their entryway even is. So hopefully, sound of your voice and your teachings here, and that becomes an entryway to them, but also a way that they can connect. Now, do you do this type of, of client? Like, I know you do client work around this, that people can come to you and you can perform the removal of your spirits, but do you do magical coaching around this? Like, let's say someone is interested in learning more about Buddhist magic or, or spirituality, can they reach out to you and sign up for like a magical coaching or, or some type of consulting around that? Absolutely, especially in regards to Vajrayana, which is tantric practices. Um, there are many mm -hmm. that can be done by a lay person without initiation, without empowerment, just like this one that mm -hmm. I'm giving to you now. This is a tantric practice. You know, especially if they have tantric practices, if they are an accomplished Buddhist um, and they have had empowerments and initiations, as long as they can come to me and ask me if I've had them, if I have had them, I would be more than happy to, to talk with them about it. Um, but there are certain things that I'm not able to talk about due to samaya or commitment mm -hmm. from uh, taking empowerment and initiations in certain things. So depends on, you know, where, what, 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 where they're at on the Buddhist scale of what I can talk about, but there's many 
things that almost anyone can do. Well, that's fantastic. Well, now you've heard it here. If you're interested in learning more, Reverend James is is the person to turn to. Thank you for bringing this for us. This was such a fantastic, fantastic show. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I think we we covered a great deal together over how to deal with evil spirits, and we ended it all with an absolutely badass uh, spell from Reverend James. So I want to thank Reverend Art, Reverend James, and wonderful J.D. Hoodoo for making this such an exciting and enjoyable show. We're going to turn this over to Reverend Art, who's going to give us our outro, and then we're going to come back and say goodbye in all our varied ways. Thank you, Conjure Man, and thank you to J.D., And especially thank you to Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in Western North Carolina for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from HoodooHouseDetroit.com will be JD from Detroit, Michigan, bringing us an Oracle Hour tutorial on pendulum charts and boards. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Conjureman at ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and JD at HoodooHouseDetroit.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art, joining you from FolkConjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available and archived via LuckyMojo.com forward slash RadioShow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody, and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Reverend, for that fantastic outro. Uh, if you haven't had enough of, of all the cool stuff that you heard this Sunday, just know that we have shows all throughout the week. We, for example, men- mentioned here that uh, there's some really cool, fantastic things coming up on Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places. The uh, fan favorite, Doc Murphy, will be joining them to do Culture and Magic, so be sure to check that out. And, of course, we're here every Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, we have a special Oracle Hour, so you don't want to miss out on that. For those of you that are also trying to learn a little bit more about hoodoo or practice, don't forget you can go to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival website where you can find all the past workshops and learn a variety of different magical practices from skull candle working to bottle spells to evil eye work. You can all find it available in these workshops all online. A really fantastic, fantastic resource. Thank you to my wonderful guest host, to our guest, and to our announcer. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.